We're back. We don't have a plan of attack as to how we're going to go uh, sequencing through all of our uh, voluminous material here. But um, let's, uh, this is a good one to start with, I think. Article from the Associated Press. U.S. top seller of weapons to poorer nations. We talked about the B-1 bomber and the military-industrial complex. But keep in mind that the United States, per the article, is the largest supplier of weapons to developing nations. We delivered more than $9.6 billion in arms to the Near East and Asian countries last year. Apparently, China, Egypt, and India were the heaviest weapons buyers, and the weapons sold included ammunition, tanks, combat aircraft, missiles, and submarines. Yes, while China and India sell us commercial goods and TVs, VCR players, electronics, we're selling them ammunition and submarines. It would be our hope that uh, they will never be, in turn, used against our troops, and truthfully, or or anyone else. But somehow we suspect uh, that they will, at least uh, against uh, their neighboring countries. It is kind of curious that our friend Pakistan uh, is looking over its shoulder as we're now selling a lot of arms to India. Hmm... We noted a couple weeks back on this show that support for President Bush's handling of the Iraq situation has fallen to a new low. Last uh, uh, Earlier this month, just 38% of Americans approving of how that's going. Uh, the Bee covered this, but I was, I was curious as to how it was spun in the Sunday Bee, per James Rosen from the Bee Washington Bureau. Well, the article opened as follows. As his approval numbers sink during these dog days of August, President Bush might take solace by reflecting on the roller coaster ride through history taken by one of his predecessors. In April 1951, shortly after he removed General Douglas MacArthur from command of U.S. troops in Korea, Harry Truman hit an all-time low in presidential popularity. Only 23% of his countrymen approved of his job performance. After talking about Harry Truman being at 23%, one has to go to page A20, to pick up on what Bush's numbers are, which were in one poll, Gallup, 40%, 36% in Harris, and averaging out between the two, 38. After comparing it to, uh, to Truman's 23, you're thinking, well, that's not so bad. I, re- I really was marveling at the spin. On the front page, the, the headline was, Poll slam Bush, but history has final say. And when you look at page A20, the headline is, Polls, 90% approval after 9-11 is highest recorded. Uh, you know, I, I have to admire the spin on this. I mean, uh, the way this is presented, like per, per Robert Cialdini, uh, who talked to us about persuasion on this show a few months back, that certainly is setting it up for like a comparison that you go, well, it's not so bad. It's like showing the really crappy house when you're home buying so that when you show the person the house you really want to sell, by comparison, they're going, well, this one sure looks a lot better. So I guess the take-home message is, well, Bush's poll numbers are down, but hey, he's way ahead of Harry Truman. I hope you were listening uh, to KDVS uh, a couple days ago on Tuesday. Stephen Valentino on his program, Stop Making Sense, was um, had a correspondent like eight feet away from Cindy Sheehan. We've been trying to get her on this show. A lot of people would like to speak to Cindy Sheehan. She is local. She's from Vacaville. And, of course, she's attracting international attention for her vigil outside the presidential um, ranch in Crawford, Texas. That was a very interesting report uh, from a blogger on what was going on down there in Crawford. Uh, done without satellite truck, low-tech, 
cell phone connection uh, uh, to us. I'd like to quote uh, a column that appeared originally in Ariana Huffington's HuffingtonPost.com, reprinted in the Sacramento Bee. Cindy Sheehan said, referring to the president, he said that my son died for a noble cause. I want to find out what that noble cause is. And I want to ask him, if it's such a noble cause, have you asked your daughters to enlist? There have been uh, two camps down in Crawford. I think you probably heard about that, uh, you know, on on Tuesday, and you certainly have uh, followed it in the media. People from Sacramento have gone there to dispute uh, um, the course of the war, the support of the war, the issue of uh, of our losses in the war, and of course there is there are a variety of opinions on this matter. But we do think that um, that Cindy Sheehan um, is uh, is deserving of our support in in her efforts. Uh, some folks out there are asking the question of of how is it if this is a noble cause that no sons and daughters of members of Congress, members of the U.S. Senate, members of the administration, prominent politicians throughout the nation, why is it that their sons and daughters are not fighting in Iraq if it is such a noble and worthy cause? Well, hopefully we're bringing you a guest in the next week or two uh, whose group is actually... um, Asking that question quite publicly of our elected and uh, and and political officials. And another item I've noticed in the press, perhaps you did as well. I I, I hope so. It hasn't gotten the publicity of Cindy Sheehan's vigil, but it is worthy of note. The gravestones at Arlington National Cemetery in Virginia are, are showing a change uh, of late. That um, in the past, the the tombstones there were generally uh, very basic. They put the required information on them, name, rank, military branch, date of death, and if applicable, the war and foreign country which the person served. Of late, however, the people returning to Arlington from the conflicts in Afghanistan or Iraq have inscribed on their tombs, on their tombstones, the operation names, such as Operation Iraqi Freedom or Operation Enduring Freedom. Critics of this say this is a brazen political bent, which is an attempt to promote public support for these conflicts. The article quoted, among others, Nadi and Robert McCaffrey of Tracy, whose son Patrick was killed in Iraq in June 2004. They noted that Operation Iraqi Freedom ended up on his government-supplied headstone. I was a little taken aback, Robert McCaffrey said, describing his reaction when he saw the operation name on Patrick's tombstone. They certainly didn't ask my wife, and they didn't ask me. He said that Patrick's widow told him she had not been asked either. Quote, in one way, I feel it's taking advantage to a small degree, McCaffrey said. Patrick did not want to be there. That is a definite fact. Former Senator Max Cleland, Democrat of Georgia who lost both legs and an arm in Vietnam and headed the Veterans Administration under President Carter, called this practice, quote, a little bit of glorified advertising, unquote. What do you think, listener? Send us your opinion at info at radioparallax.com, and we'll see if we can read that on the air. Well, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of dialogue going on in this country currently about, uh, about what's going on in Iraq, and I think this is, this is to the good, especially when you see a headline um, like this one that you may have noticed, August 21st, plan to keep 100,000 troops in Iraq for years is in the works. Quoting uh, General Peter Shoemaker, head of the U.S. Army, he noted that um, the Army is prepared for the worst case in terms of the required level of troops in Iraq. He said the number could be lowered, if called for, by slowing the force rotation or by shortening tours for soldiers. 
We're now into 07 through 09 in our planning, Shoemaker said, having completed work on a set of combat and support troops that will be rotated into Iraq over the coming year. I don't know about you, but this scares the hell out of me. Even The Economist magazine, which is rather conservative, is looking at what's going on in Iraq and referring to it as a cradle of war and a school of jihad. The Economist noted in the chaos that is Iraq, al-Qaeda's allies have turned the country into a new Afghanistan. All right, it's time to move on to other topics, perhaps science topics. But uh, before we go, I would note that we had on this program last week Joseph Mealy, the producer and director of Bush's Brain, an excellent documentary now out on DVD, and he referred to uh, The Mark of Karl Rove. Well, we've been looking for that uh, that telltale mark, and at Radio Parallax, we think we have discovered the mark of Karl Rove in the following. Uh, Mealy said that you know he was not sure how it was Rove was going to counter the vast publicity that Cindy Sheehan has attracted, and we think we figured out how he's going to do that because Al Sharpton has now turned up near Crawford, Texas, and speaking, and he spoke at an anti, um, anti-war rally down there. Uh, Al Sharpton, of course, is a Republican Party operative. The Sharpton 2004 uh, campaign for the Democratic nomination for president was financed and pretty much operated by Republican operatives. We told you about that on this program. If you don't believe that, go on the web and check it out. We're not going to delve into that much, but uh, all I can say is Al Sharpton is not a man who is widely respected in this country. So if he shows up in Crawford, Texas, what better way to subtly undermine the efforts going on there? We certainly can't prove it, but we suspect that is the mark of Karl Rove. All right, let's let's get away from politics here. Let's 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 actually. I, I meant to in our first segment uh, delve into this book I purchased for um, for moments like these in the program. The title is "Truth or Tabloid," where you get a quiz and get to answer whether you think that this headline is the truth or something that came out of a tabloid. Let's let's test you on a few of these right now. Okay. If you want to get murdered, stay home Saturday night. Truth or tabloid? That one is, in fact, truth. Most murders occur as the result of domestic disputes between the hours of 6 p.m. Saturday and 7 p.m. Sunday. The deadliest days of the year are Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. The, the book's crime stopper tip was lower the murder rate in your living room by working weekends and holidays. All right. Truth or tabloid? Man jailed for yawning. Answer? Truth. In Eugene, Oregon, 20-year-old Nick Patrick Steese was slapped with a 20-day sentence by Circuit Judge Ted Karp for yawning during an arraignment in court. Bet that woke him up, said the editors of the book. Item, neighbors aghast over X-rated miniature golf. Answer, tabloid. No one has yet built an erotic miniature golf course to see if people will show up. All right, let's do a few miscellaneous statistics here, some that we find very depressing, like the following. Hollywood plans to release 41 big-screen remakes of old television shows and movies this year. This is up from 23 in 2004 and 10 in 2003, according to Fortune magazine. 
All right, also from the scary file, according to the New York Times, about 40% of all math and science graduate students in the U.S. are foreigners. In engineering, the figure is 50%. Let's move into the world of science here. Let's do some science items for a while. Fascinating item here. Brains don't buy happiness. According to Alan Gao of the University of Edinburgh, as reported in New Scientist magazine, a study of 416 senior citizens found that intelligence had no relationship whatsoever to happiness late in life. Study subjects underwent intelligence tests at age 11 and again at age 79. At age 80, the subjects were quizzed about their, quote, satisfaction with life, unquote. Researchers found no association between levels of mental ability and reported happiness, which they found quite surprising. New scientists speculated that it may be that intelligent people worry more about achievement and are more likely to compare themselves to others and the different choices that they've made, which could lead to dissatisfaction. Researcher Gao speculated that maybe all that's necessary for happiness is that you have the ability to carry out your daily tasks. All right, fascinating item coming out of Kenya. Researchers there studying malaria discovered that the malaria parasite, once it infects a human host, apparently changes the way the person smells, which makes him more attractive to mosquitoes and thus more likely to propagate the parasite to other human hosts. Malaria, of course, is caused by a single cell organism called a plasmodium. It spreads rapidly and uh, is infect- infects about 500 million people every year. This all makes perfect sense from a biological standpoint. Um, if scientists can isolate the scent that makes malaria-infected people attractive to mosquitoes, it could lead to new repellents or new lures to attract and trap the bugs. I remember reading a similar account of a parasite that infected birds and fish and how once it would pass from the bird to the fish, it would then infect the fish and, um, and, and basically cause them to behave in such a fashion that made them an easier catch for the bird. Of course, it, uh, it makes sense in that dog-eat-dog world of natural selection. Of course, that's, a, that's if you believe in that kind of stuff. And what I find to be a truly fascinating item from the world of geology, and and in fact, when I was looking for this on the web, I googled it, and what came up? The California Aggie, article by Daniel Stone, Aggie Editor-in-Chief, who's in fact been a guest on Radio Parallax. We're going to have Daniel Stone on again. But I found that rather cool on on the front page, on the uh, the home page for Google, that uh, the item regarding this uh, Earth's core... Uh, rotating faster than the crust uh, was, was from the Aggie. But, um, but yeah, um, scientists have reported by studying earthquake waves passing from the southern hemisphere up to the northern hemisphere that, that once these waves hit the core of the Earth, there's a bit of a twist going on. And uh, they've deduced that the Earth's core, the solid core, about the size of the moon, is rotating faster than the surface we're standing on by about... 0.3 to 0.5 degrees per year, which uh, means that every thousand years, uh, give or take, the Earth's core laps the surface. Pretty interesting stuff, but not 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 entirely unexpected if you consider that, of course, that uh, that there is a liquid between that solid uh, the core and the surface, and that uh, you know there's a certain viscosity, a certain um, you know perhaps well obviously there is a certain uh, 
slippage, if you will, taking place between the rotating core and the surface. So I guess if we do the uh, creationist astronomy math, we'd say that the Earth's core has lapped the surface 10 times now since our creation 10,000 years ago. All right, another item in the strange world where sort of science meets sort of religion, we, we have the following. I, I just love, I love, I love articles that start, science articles that start as follows. Where mass comes from is one of the deepest mysteries of nature. Now a controversial theory suggests that mass comes from the interaction of matter with the quantum vacuum that pervades the universe. The theory was previously used to explain inertial mass, the property of matter that resists acceleration, but has been extended to gravitational mass, which is the property of matter that feels the tug of gravity. For decades, mainstream opinion has held that something called the Higgs field gives matter its mass mediated by a particle called the Higgs boson, but no one has yet seen the Higgs boson despite considerable time and money spent looking for it in particle accelerators. Well, when I read something like this, uh, I just have to react that, well, it, they've been looking for a Sasquatch for some time now, too, and still haven't found him. And, and how important is all of this? Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm searching desperately for importance in, in science stories like this, and, and I'm, just, I'm just coming up with goose eggs. But that, I will freely confess, appears to be a, a personal bias. I know that some of you find that stuff very interesting. And to that, I, I say, good on you. All right, let's take a break. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. This is, of course, KDVS, 90.3 FM, Davis-Sacramento. Dash Oh, that's a